Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. This is uh, part 10 of the series that we have been studying for the last three months, praying the kind of prayers that please God. And um, I sense in my spirit that this would be the last part, part 10, as we conclude the series on prayer. Next Sunday, may I remind you that it is the first Sunday of April. And on the first Sunday of April, we receive communion. The uh, members of the ministry who reside in Somerset West, they make the journey down to our or training center in Pinelands, as well as receive the tithes and the offerings of God's people. That's for next Sunday. Now, if you recall, the last time I was with you, I spoke to you and I taught you from Cyprus. We back safely home with Cristela to Cape Town. And thank God for traveling mercies. And we thank God for renewing our strength, uh, even though the journey sometimes can be very uh, taxing on our physical bodies. But the Lord renews our strength. Amen. We have, um, we have been able to have successful retreats and conferences. We've ministered in various cities. And uh, from what we discern, there is a momentum that is beginning to grow in regards to the endeavors of unity and prayer among leaders in Cyprus. So we're very grateful for your prayers and we thank God for what he's doing on that little island. So let's get to the lesson now. We have, I closed the, um, the teaching last week on the different kinds of prayer. Very quickly, I am going to reiterate those kinds. The first kind of prayer that the Bible talks about is the prayer of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, as is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, where Paul says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. The second kind of prayer is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. The third kind of prayer is the prayer of faith. Number four, the prayer of committal or consecration and dedication. Number five, the prayer of agreement as is recorded in Matthew 18 and verse 19. Number six, united prayer. Number seven, the prayer of intercession or petition. And number eight, the prayer of binding and loosing, as is recorded in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. So we see that the New Testament has recorded eight different kinds of prayer. Each kind, each kind has its rules and its principles. We cannot apply the same rule for every kind of prayer. 
Amen? We taught on that in our previous lessons. Let's look at, uh, briefly for a moment, the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Throughout the Bible, the Word of God exhorts us to praise and give thanks to God because He alone is God and He alone is worthy of our praise. Psalm 100 and verse 4 tells us to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. It says, be thankful to Him and bless His holy name. Now, thanksgiving, someone said, is the highest form of prayer because it gives us an audience with God and brings us into His presence. Not only does this type of prayer ushers us into the presence of God, but it also brings God's presence and power into our very situation. We may be facing a very difficult situation. We may be struggling with something. Whatever it is, when we lift our hearts and our hands to the Lord and out loud praise and give Him thanks, something happens, not only to us, but the very presence of God invades the atmosphere and our situation. And things begin to work the way that God wants them to work. Remember, but complaining and murmuring does the opposite. It opens the door to the evil one. If you recall in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, they were very unhappy where Moses led them. He led them through the desert. They came to a place. They were unhappy with the food. They were unhappy with the conditions they were in. So they started murmuring and complaining to Moses. As a result, the Bible says that serpents began to enter the camp and and then they began to bite the people and they were dying by the hundreds. And when Moses cried out to the Lord, God showed him what to do. He gave him the antidote and the plague stopped. But what opened the door to those serpents was the complaining and the murmuring of the children of Israel. So when you complain about things, and when I murmur about things, whatever, whatever it is that we go on about, whether it's our circumstances, whether it's our work, whether it's our parents, whether it's authority, whether it's our spouses, remember, murmuring and complaining is not of God. It gives legal entrance of the enemy into your life and into your situation. So we need to repent of any murmuring, ask the Lord to forgive us, and ask Him to enable us, instead of murmuring and complaining, to give praise and thanks to the Lord for all things. Let me give you a, a, an example from the New Testament. It is recorded in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 23 through to 26. Acts chapter 16 verse 23 through to 26. And I want you to read that from your own Bible. We see time and time again, when God's people praise Him, He shows up. And when He does, things happen. And let's look at 
at one such incident. This is about Paul and Barnabas. And when they had laid many stripes on them, that's Paul and Barnabas, or rather Paul and Silas, who were on a missionary journey. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, the prisons in those days was nothing like it is today. There were dungeons, there were horrible places. But at midnight, even with stripes on their backs, Paul and Silas lifted up their voice in prayer, and they began to sing hymns to God. The Bible says the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. We see in the scriptures that Paul and Barnabas were in trouble. They tortured them, they bound them, and they threw them into the innermost prison. Instead of murmuring and complaining about their lot, they decided to lift up their voices even in the midnight hour and praise God. Now, Barnabas could have turned to Paul and said, uh, Oh, Silas, you know, Paul, I told you this would happen, but you insisted we go there and we went to that place. You told us to go and look what's happened to us. It's all your fault that we are here today. But instead of blaming each other, they looked to God and they began to praise God because they knew that God was in control of their lives. They ignored the pain on their backs, the uncomfortable place they were in, the stench in that place, and they lifted up their hands and their hearts and they gave honor and praise and blessing to God. And what happened? God's power showed up, the Bible says, and loosed everyone's chains, setting them free. Folks, God loves the praises of His people. This is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Things happen when we praise God. Never forget that. We might be in different prisons today, maybe not physical prisons, but we might be in financial prisons. We might be in prisons of fear. We might be in prisons of worry and anxiety. We might be in the prisons of guilt and shame regarding something that we've done or something that we caused. Many today are in a prison of depression. It doesn't matter what prison the devil has thrown you in. The prayer of praise and thanksgiving is powerful enough to set us free from them all. When they began to praise God, the power of God came into that prison and literally shook the very foundations of that prison. They could not stay bound. They were set free. Amen? Remember that. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. It doesn't matter what your circumstances look like. 
You know, we walk by faith, the Bible says, not by sight. The devil Amen. will always distract you by pointing you to the physical circumstances and to look, nothing has changed. Look at your child. Look at your son. Look at your daughter. They're still misbehaving. You've been praying for so long. Nothing has changed. They're still the same. Look at the situation that you're in. Your work, your financial situation keeps getting worse and worse. That's what the devil does. Always drawing you to look at the physical uh, circumstances. Because if he can get you into the arena of the physical, he will always defeat you. That's his area of domain. The physical, natural world is the domain of the devil. The Bible calls him the God of this world. He can maneuver situations, he can maneuver circumstances in the natural, in the physical. So he always points you to the physical. But you, the Bible says, must walk by faith and not by sight. This is such an important lesson for us to learn. It's a daily struggle and a daily battle to decide to walk by faith and to walk in love. To walk by faith means to walk according to the Word of God and to believe what God's Word says to you. Amen? Amen. By faith, it means that you call those things which be not as though they were. And when you walk by faith, the most natural thing for you to do is to give thanks and praise to God. Amen. Amen. That's what Abraham did, and he's called the father of our faith. God gave him a promise. God gave him a word. And he said, your name will no longer be Abraham, but from this day forward, your name shall be called Abraham, father of many. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and did not consider his own body, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. His wife was 90 years of age. He was 99 years. He completely Uh, uh, did not subdue himself to the physical circumstances he was in. He didn't pay attention to his physical body. But he considered the word of God as faithful and true. And you know what he did? From that day forward, he never called himself again Abram. He called himself Abraham. That means father of many. So every time he introduced himself or he shook hands with anyone, he says, good morning, sir. My name is Abraham, father of many. What did he do? He called those things which be not as though they were. Amen. God honors such faith. And the Bible says also, he being not weak in faith, but considered the one who gave him the promise faithful He gave glory to God. He gave thanks and praise to the Lord who gave him his promise. If God promises you and he says to you, my son, my daughter, you and your household shall be saved. 
You need to take that word and you need to walk in that word by faith and praise God every single day for the salvation of your entire family. That is the word of God. You call them saved. Don't complain. Don't murmur. Whether it's your children or whether it's your work environment, begin to praise God right in the middle of the crisis, right in the middle of the desert. And God is able to cause your desert to blossom through His power. But the gate that loses the power of God or the door that opens for the power of God to come into the situation is the key of praise and thanksgiving. Praise God. Praise God. Thank God. The Bible says give thanks for everything. Rather, give thanks in everything. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Listen to what it says. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Look at that verse up in your own Bibles and underline that verse. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Therefore by him, that is Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Sometimes thanksgiving and praise can be a sacrifice. Why do I say that? Because we don't feel like it. We might be in pain. We might be in distress. We might be in anxiety. But, but, the fruit of our lips is to give thanks to the Lord in the name of Jesus. You may not feel like it, but make yourself give thanks and praise to God. I tell you, it won't be long before you start feeling on top of the world or on top of your situation. That is a powerful prayer. And, and, and as the word says, we are to continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is giving thanks to his name. One more thing. The prayer of praise and thanksgiving is also considered as a weapon of offense against the powers of darkness. Why do I say that? Because Psalm 8 and verse 2 tells us that. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 2, and I'm reading from the NIV. This is what it says. Through the praise of children... And infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Notice what it says. Through the mouth of babes or through the praise of children, God established a stronghold against our enemies. So when we praise God, God shields us into his stronghold. Not only that, but the Bible says he silences our foes and the avenger. He shuts his mouth. Amen. Remember, 
Daniel was thrown into the pit of the lions because he believed, he trusted God, he praised God. The Bible says God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lion. That's what the devil, that's what God does to the devil when we praise him. God silences our enemies when we give him thanks and praise. Amen. Amen. So that's, that is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Remember that. You can you, remember every day, lift up your hands wherever you might be, alone, somewhere, privately, and say, Lord, I want to give thanks to you for who you are. I want to praise you for this situation that has developed. I want to give you thanks. You, O oh Lord, are in control. And you will receive the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving from my lips. I will not murmur. I will not complain. I will give thanks and praise to you because you are worthy to be praised. Simple as that. Whether we feel like it, whether we don't. But we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Amen. And I want to share. Sorry. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, Nikki seems to be the one who is always encouraging me there with her amen. Praise God for Nikki. All right. So now, now let's uh, take a closer look at the prayer of faith. This is where many believers stumble. Many believers... um, fail to understand the concept of faith or the prayer of faith. And we have a lot of um, controversy surrounding the subject of faith or the prayer of faith. But you know, from my own experience walking with God now for almost 40 years, I have prayed the prayer of faith many times. I have seen the results to the prayer of faith in my own life, in the life of my own family, my own children, when they were small. And I have seen God at work simply because I prayed the prayer of faith and stood on His Word. And sometimes I had to stand for a very long time in faith before I would see the manifestation of the answers to my prayer of faith. You know, God doesn't always pay on Friday. We need to understand that. But when He does pay, He pays richly. Amen? Amen. So, God is looking for faithfulness. God is looking for consistency, whether, whether we are in a good place or in a bad place. Faithfulness is key to the blessing of the Lord. We're not hot one day and cold the next We're not up or down the next day. We remain consistent and faithful to walk in obedience to the Lord in the things that we have been enlightened about. Now, the prayer of faith is believing prayer. I believe that believing prayer always pleases God. Scripture says that without faith it is impossible to please God. So the Lord Jesus spent considerable time teaching his disciples on the subject of the prayer of faith. One of those, um, one of those times where the Lord taught 
on the subject of faith is recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 24. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 24. And Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 and 22. So let's find those two openings as we look at the prayer of faith. Mark 11, verse 24, from the King James Version. And Matthew 21, verse 21 and 22, the New King James Version. Let's read first of all Mark 11:24. Therefore I say unto you, that's Jesus speaking, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Let's read that again. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And then in Matthew 21 says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Notice the word there, believing. And then in verse 24 of Mark 11 says, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Notice that you shall have them comes after the words believe that you receive. So that tells me that when I pray the prayer of faith, I release my faith at that point and believe that I receive what I have asked the Lord for. I believe that I receive my request before I see the results, not afterwards. Because anybody can believe that. Even the unbeliever believes that. Because he sees it. Now, there's no need to exercise faith when you see the end result. Amen? You see it. You don't have to believe it. But Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. So who are the blessed ones? The blessed disciple is the one who has not seen yet believed. That's why Matthew 21 says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And Mark 11, 24 says, if you believe that you receive when you pray, you shall have them. That's the condition. Amen? So the prayer of faith is the kind of prayer that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you receive when you pray. Not, I I repeat that, because many believers stumble and say, well, how can I believe something I cannot see? Well, let me ask you this. Have you seen the Lord Jesus? Have you seen him? Any one of you seen him? Have you seen him die on the cross? Let me ask you another question. Have you seen your brains? Do you believe you have a brain? 
Of course you do. Why? You haven't seen it. It is foolish to say, how can I believe something I cannot see? Or how can I believe something I cannot feel? Let me say this to you. Your feelings or the Word of God is not subject to your feelings. The Word of God is not subject to your sight. Your sight and your feelings must be subject to the Word of God. That means walking by faith, not by sight and not by feeling. Amen? So, the prayer of faith is usually the kind of prayer we pray for ourselves, we pray for our own needs, and we pray for the needs of our family. Amen? Notice what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four: Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Not what somebody else desires, what you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That tells me that we are to pray our desires as our desires are in agreement and we line them up with the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So, this is where many stumble, especially when it comes to physical healing, to divine health, to living a long life, to receiving a financial blessing. They, they stumble on the subject of faith. And they would say some things like, well, I've tried that faith stuff, but it doesn't work for me. Well, as long as you keep confessing that, it will never work for you. It only works for those who believe. God's Amen. Word will always work if we put it to work through our faith. Amen. Now, another thing that we need to know. We cannot pray the prayer of faith outside of the boundaries of God's will or God's Word. In other words... The prayer of faith is prayed when the will of God is known. You get that? In other words, you, you cannot pray and say, well, if it be your will, Lord. No. Faith only operates where the will of God is revealed. Faith will not operate outside of the revelation of the will of God. In other words... I must know that it is the will of God to give me that thing that I'm asking for before I even pray. Right. Otherwise, if I do not know that it is the will of God, I don't have the confidence to ask in faith. Are you with me? Yes. Let's take example, for instance, when it comes to physical healing. What does the will of God say concerning divine healing? The Word of God has much to say concerning that. And yet many believers are still confused today. Is it the will of God to heal? Well, sometimes it is and sometimes it is not. Well, if sometimes it is and sometimes it is not, then how would I know when it is His will to heal so that I can pray the prayer of faith? That's a ridiculous argument. God's Word is very clear and very specific on the subject of healing. And we're going to read several verses of Scripture to prove that it is the will of God 
for us to walk today in divine health, in strength, and to have our days long on the face of the earth. Amen? You know, I officiated at a wedding yesterday, and God gave me a specific promise to share with the couple that they were getting married yesterday. And what I said it is that God has a wonderful plan for every one of His children. And I read from Jeremiah 29 verse 11, where God says, I know the thoughts I have for you and the plans I have for you. They are plans to prosper you and to give you peace. And I reiterated that verse and began to expound that it is the will of God to give us uh, the very best that God has. In other words, there is a purpose for our lives, there is a plan for our lives, and God's desire is to prosper and to give us peace and blessing and not to harm us or to hurt us. Amen. Well, the guy who was monitoring the sound system afterwards came up to me with tears in his eyes. He stared at me with a bewildered look. And he said to me, and for a few seconds, he just looked at me straight in the eye with tears in his eyes. And he said to me, I don't believe that. I don't believe God has a plan for everyone. And I don't believe that that what you said is true. And I said, why? Why do you say that? He said, my wife was taken from me this month, three weeks ago. She died. And God took her. Now, if God has a wonder, why did he take my wife? Well, I looked at him and I really felt compassion for him. I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, friend, let me say this to you. God didn't take your wife. God is not the one who brings sickness and disease on people and causes them to die prematurely. Sickness and disease come from another source, but not from God. God is a loving God. He's a good God. Amen. And, and I could see the ignorance and the darkness this person was in. He was blaming God because of what happened to his wife. So I prayed for him and I prayed that the Lord would comfort him. And I could see he felt a lot better after I finished speaking to him. But I'm glad that he picked up the courage to come and tell me that he did not agree with my sermon. And there are so many people out there that keep blaming God. They blame God for things that he has nothing to do with. Sickness and disease came into the earth as a result of sin and of disobedience. Uh, We need to understand that. In the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, and He put them in the garden with His presence, the Bible says everything that God created was good. There was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no curse, there was no poverty, and there was, there was just sheer joy and peace and fellowship in the presence of the Lord. There was no sin. When did it all come in? The Bible says, by the disobedience of one man, sin came into the world, and through sin, death. And of course, sickness and disease followed right through, and the curse 
that, that mankind is struggling with today. So to blame God for that is, is completely ignorance. Scripture says, and let's read Exodus 23, verse 25 and 26. I know this is a huge subject, and uh, we cannot possibly cover it uh, in just a few minutes, but I want to give you uh, a little so that you can do your own studying. And if you, if you wish, email me and write to me so that we can, we can look into this subject deeper. I know that I've answered a few emails last week concerning the thorn in the flesh that some of you have sent me, and I was able to explain what that thorn was. Have you found Exodus twenty three twenty five? This is this is the Lord speaking to his people in the old covenant. Exodus twenty three verse twenty five. And it says, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Notice what it says. God says, if you serve me, if you love me, I will bless your bread, and I'm going to bless your water. So we see here that God is the blesser, not the curser. And then he goes on to say, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. God is the one who removes sickness and disease from the midst of us, not the one who gives them to us. Some people go on and say, well, God uses sickness and disease to teach us. You as a loving father who loves your children, would you put cancer on your child to teach them? I mean, how ridiculous is that? I get angry when I hear people talking like that. I really do. Would you put cancer on your child to teach him a lesson? Would you put his hand into the fire and burn his hand just to teach him that fire burns? No, God teaches through his word, not through sickness and disease. Are you listening to me? So don't, I don't want to hear you ever say this, that God gave me this sickness or God gave me this nonsense. That is not from God. Now, Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Let's look at this closely. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. This is talking about Jesus when he went to the cross. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Well, some people say, well, this is talking about spiritual healing, not physical healing. Well, let me say this to you. Man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The Lord redeemed our spirits by forgiving our sins. He was bruised, he was chastised so that we can have peace in our souls. And he received stripes so that we could be physically healed. All three parts of the human 
person has been redeemed through Jesus Christ going to the cross. Now, if you have any doubts, look at Matthew 8.17, what it says. Matthew 8.17. Matthew 8.17 That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. I, this is a quote from Isaiah. Matthew is quoting Isaiah because Jesus healed and delivered all that came to him. And Matthew says, this was done. What was done? Healing of the people and deliverance took place so that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself, that is Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, if Jesus took them and bare them, What's the point of us carrying them or bearing them? If he bore them, why did he do that? So that we might be free from them. Amen? Amen. Now, look at Acts chapter 10 verse 38, please. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Are you there? This is what it says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all, notice the word, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Let me ask you a question. Who is the healer in this verse of Scripture? Who? Jesus is the healer. Who is the oppressor? Amen. Let's not confuse the two, please. Jesus went about doing good. What good was he doing? He was healing all that were oppressed. By whom? By the devil. For God was with him. So the devil oppressed them with sickness and disease. Jesus went around anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, setting them free. Amen. Amen. Well, you may say that was that day. Well, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's never changed. He healed the sick then. He heals the sick today. Well, what's the difference? People stop believing that he does heal today. That's the difference. Hello there. You know, in Africa, uh, evangelists witness many miracles, even raising people from the dead. Because in villages, they have no doctors. You know, if people there don't exercise the faith, they die. A lot of healings take place. Why? Because they don't have crutches over there. 
You know, if you don't believe God, you die. There's no doctors around. There's no clinics around. So they have to trust God. Are you with me? And that's why we're teaching the Word of God to reveal and to show the goodness of God in healing and delivering the sick and the oppressed. It is the will of God for sick people to be healed. Well, why then some don't get healed? I don't know all the answers. I'm not God. And I don't base my faith on my experiences on the exp- or the experiences of so-and-so, Mr. Duda or Mr. Dodo. I know what God's Word says. I have to preach the Word of God and base my faith on God's promise and not on someone else's experiences. Amen. Amen. Now, in all of the above verses of Scripture we read, we clearly see the will of God concerning healing, concerning health and longevity. Now, having these words in our hearts in abundance becomes easy to pray the prayer of faith for healing, for health, and for long life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, the Bible says, let's read one more word, one more, rather, uh, a couple of verses from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22, in regard to the to the subject we are speaking about. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No faith for healing comes by you hearing the word on healing. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 to 22. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them. And notice the next word, what it says, and health or healing to all their flesh. God's word is health to our flesh. And when we take it, According to the divine prescription, then the Bible says it will become healing and health to our flesh. What does it say? Number one, pay attention to the words I'm saying. Number two, incline your ear. Listen to my sayings. Don't let my word depart from before your eyes. And keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because my words are life to those who find them and they are health to all of the flesh. Amen. Amen. Now, before we close our lesson today, there are certain hindrances to prayer, to answered prayer. And one of them has to do with forgiveness. If we are not walking in love and in forgiveness, our faith will not work. Our prayer of faith will be short-circuited, and it will be nullified. So it is important that when we pray the prayer of faith, we need to make sure that we don't have ought against any, that our hearts have forgiven everyone whom we feel has hurt us 
or whatever the situation might be. Why do I say that? Because Mark 11:25, right after verse 24 that we read, verse 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So the prayer of faith must be accompanied with the spirit of forgiveness. This is a must. If you're angry with someone, if you're bitter with someone, unforgiving, your prayer of faith will go unanswered. Not just the prayer of faith, but all kinds of prayer. Amen. 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 Galatians 5 says, Walk in love daily because faith only works by love. Amen. Amen. So faith works by love and love always forgives. Another, another hindrance to prayer is found in Matthew 5 and verse 23 and 24. Listen, listen to what the Amplified says. If you are presenting your offering at the altar, and while there you remember that your brother has something, such as a grievance or legitimate complaint against you, leave your offering there at the altar and go. First make peace with your brother, and then come and present your offering. Now, here, the Lord Jesus said, never mind you having ought against someone, but if you in your heart or in your mind, you feel that someone has ought against you, a brother or a sister, then it says you go to them. Don't wait for them to come to you. Go and talk it out. Resolve your differences. Be honest with each other. And then the Lord will receive your offering and will answer your prayer. And finally, this is for husbands. You know that we husbands, unless we walk with our wives according to knowledge, the Bible says that our prayers will be hindered. Listen to what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I had to mull over this one and study and meditate this verse of Scripture I, I, a long, long time. I still do. In the same way you married men should live considerately with your wives, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation, honoring the woman as physically the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace of God's unmerited favor of life. In order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. So, husbands, we have a God-given responsibility to treat our wives gently, to be considerate. Amen? Are you there? I know, my says, I got a weak connection. Tell me when I get back. You're back. Thank you. All right. So we need to walk in love towards our wives with understanding, 
with compassion so that our prayers will not be hindered. Amen? Amen. So, that concludes our lesson today. I trust that you've learned something concerning the prayer of praise and thanksgiving as well as the prayer of faith. I know there are still a lot of questions unanswered in your mind. I am willing to teach on this subject again concerning divine healing or divine health so that, um, you know, it's all up to you. But I have studied these verses of Scripture for many, many years. And I have listened to both camps and those that say that, you know, God heals sometimes, sometimes He doesn't. It's easier to put the blame on God and the responsibility on God than ourselves. Amen? Because if we put the blame on God, then it doesn't require us to change our attitude, our ways, or the way we pray. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's close in prayer, then we'll open it up for questions. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our lesson today. We thank you for the Word. We thank you for the truth you're communicating to us through your Word. And Father, your Word is not subject to how we feel, is not subject to our experiences, and it is not subject to what we see or what we feel. But rather, all of these things are subject and should be subject to the Word of God. We believe your Word. We trust your Word. But we do pray that you will open our understanding and give us further revelation and further understanding concerning the things that we are studying. Father, it's one thing me teaching these words and these principles to your people, but it's another thing when your Spirit opens up the Word and by the anointing of the Spirit within them enables them to see truth. You said in your Word, if you continue in my Word, you will know the truth, and when you know the truth, you shall be set free. It is knowing and walking in the truth of your word that sets us free to walk in the liberty of your spirit and in the blessing of the Lord every day of our lives. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.